goosebumps. Literal goosebumps every time that plays. Now to the show. Yo, what is up, guys? My name is Victor, and I'm the host of Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. Welcome back. I am so excited for today's episode, and hopefully you are too. Hopefully you've still been going through that systematic theology that we've been walking through uh, probably over the past month or so. It's been such an exciting journey. I, I really do feel like I see the book actually sitting on my shelf with the pen in it because I've been studying it. It's been awesome. I've been loving it, especially with summer coming up here. It's going to be a great opportunity to just really just go straight through it. And and that's what I love to spend my summers doing. Um, I, it, it's such a great time. I did Institutes of the Christian Religion a few summers back, and then I did Systematic Theology, and then I did some apologetic stuff, and now I'm back with the Systematic Theology. So I'm super happy, and I think next summer I'm going to do the Reformed Systematic Theology. that it, it was published probably about two months ago, and so I'm really excited. But don't worry, today we're going to be taking a break from the Systematic Theology, We're going to be diving into another book that I've been reading that I've been absolutely loving, and I think it's such an important topic that we're going to take a break from systematic theology. So, But before we dive into that, before we get into the topic and and things that we're going to discuss today, I just want to let you guys know that you guys can shoot over to my website, grace-nation.com. We have so much stuff over there. We have the shop. We have the contact us. We have over 400 articles of theology, Christian living, blog. Like We got it all. So head over there and check that out. Um, I've been working on my writing and I absolutely love it. And so just let me know what you guys think. You can email me at gracenationministries at yahoo.com. And um, yeah, fresh pod every Saturday. And I heard I heard doctrine and devotion hates that I've been saying that. So I'm going to keep doing it because it gets on their nerves. Anyways, guys, today we are going to... So I, if you guys don't know too, too much about, about what I do or my personal life, I am a student director at the Summit Church. Summit Church is an awesome place in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. It is really serving the community in a way that, that I've never seen a church do, uh, and they do it well. And so I am I am so humbled to be able to partner with them in that journey and to be able to be paid to work and serve students in the community. It's, it's an absolute blessing, and I only have the Lord to thank for this opportunity. And this past week, we did something called the Staff Staycation or the Staff Stay Treat, where usually each year around this time, the summit staff will go to a retreat and kind of just get away for like two days. And really just, it's, it's kind of the staff's time to, to really focus on their relationship with God and the relationship with their family. And, and this year, instead of going away, we took a whole week and we did the staff staycation or the stay treat. And it was really just a time to focus on our relationship with God, our relationship with other staff members. We got to go do things in the community. We got to hang out. We got to go bowling. Just like a lot of good team building, morale boosting, spiritual uplifting activities. And it's been an absolute blast. I've, I've truly enjoyed it. And this week, we actually had the opportunity to um, read a book. And the summit gave us this book. It's called Leadership as, as an Identity by Crawford Luritz. 
you may have heard of Crawford Luritz uh, Jr. Uh, he, fantastic writer, fantastic, fantastic author. Uh, I've never really heard him preach, uh, but I had the opportunity to read his book this week, and it rattled me. Like, it literally rattled me. This book, uh, I, I originally thought that this book was going to be intended for people who were planning to be pastors. Leadership as an identity written to men for people who were planning to, to go into the pastorate. And that's why I was a little confused. Why is the summit giving out this book to so many people who aren't planning on being in the pastorate? Because we have a ton of staff members that just won't become pastors. And we, as I began reading this, I actually begun to understand the thinking behind why the summit gave us this book. And that's because not, even though not everyone will become a pastor, everyone is a leader. Everyone is acting in some sort of leadership role, whether it be as an elder or as a campus admin, we are all acting in a leadership role. And I, I think that we can take that beyond the context of the summit and say that everyone in life at some point in time, whether you're aware of it or not, or whether you want it or not, acts in a type of leadership whether it be the influence that you have on younger people, whether it be, uh, you know, you're a mom of, you know, five kids or, what, or even just one kid, there are, you're always going to be acting at some point, not always, at some point you are going to be in a position of leadership. What Crawford Luritz here is saying in this book is that we need to be prepared for that. And so how do we do it well? And how historically has it gone wrong? And so he starts the book out, you know, with his introduction and the chapter that I want to focus in on is literally chapter one, and it's titled Brokenness. And I love, I love something that he says here, uh, and, and I, 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 I knew this before I read the book. I knew this little line, but, but here's what it says. For a Christian leader, brokenness is a dear friend, and pride is the enemy. When you are broken, you realize you cannot do it in your own power. You cannot earn salvation on your own. You cannot walk with God on your own. And you cannot fulfill God's assignments on your own. Why? Because of, of the very nature of God's assignment, as I wrote in my last chapter, God's assignments revolve around his priorities, helping people know him and walk with him. The very nature of what he wants done is supernatural, and he uses human instruments to do what is impossible for them. I absolutely love that little line, and there's going to be more lines that are going to be more groundbreaking than that one, but I absolutely love that line because it, it highlights how ne necessary brokenness is to walk in the Christian life, and a lot of people know this, at least for the salvation part, like when, when God enters into our life, we realize we are broken. We realize that we are broken because of sin. We realize that we are unable to earn salvation on our own. And so therefore we, we look to God on our behalf to do that for us. But then I think a lot of times us Christians after salvation, we begin running the Christian life and we kind of lose that sense of brokenness. And now, although we're not still broken in the same sense as we were beforehand, we still have the curse of sin and our finite humanness capping us from doing supernatural things that God has assigned to us. And so, therefore, we need him. And so, for us to be effective in ministry and in, in life, in any leadership position, we have to have a conscious awareness that we are broken and in need of help. And that's what Crawford Loretz is saying right here. 
And I absolutely love that. He goes on to say that brokenness is a lifestyle. Brokenness is not a one-time thing. It's a moment-by-moment lifestyle agreeing with God about the true condition of my heart and life. Brokenness, and, and this is something that I feel like Christians do and I do a lot after, after you know, I sin or I do something and, and I go and, and I'm sad and I'm upset and, and I feel broken and it's this emotional response to sin. And that's a good emotional response, don't get me wrong. But brokenness is more than just an emotional response. It is a state of being, a lifestyle, a choice, a moment-by-moment decision to agree with God about the condition of my heart and my need for him. Brokenness is not just, just this emotional feeling that you get when you mess up. No, brokenness is is a constant state that we should be living in. And let me just say, it sounds really depressing, but but listen, it's not. It's not depressing. And if you read that and, and you feel depressed, you're reading it wrong. You're reading it through the wrong lens because it is more depressing for us to live our life in our own power than for us to live a broken life and depend on God. Let me, it is way more depressing to live a life depend on our, on our own power. That's a life full of sin. That's a life full of hatred. That's a life full of pride. That's a life full of, of despair. That's a life full of hopelessness. That's a life full of faithful, faithlessness. That, that's a pretty depressing life. But a broken life that's dependent on God is a life full of joy, a life full of hope, a life full of dependent, a life full of glory for God, not us, a life full of servanthood. That that is a that is a great life that we that we get to live for God because we are depending on him. Now I'm not saying great life in a prosperity way. Don't misinterpret that, you reformed people. I'm just saying that we get to live on mission for God consciously when we are aware of our brokenness. And that's going to prompt God to use us more so than what uh, he would have if we are not aware of our brokenness. And so uh, he goes on, and there's a subtitle here in the book, and it's called Inadequacy, a Positive Trait. So he's moving on from brokenness to inadequacy. They're pretty similar. Brokenness leads to inadequacy. But this is really weird. Like, he moves from brokenness. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. And he's like, inadequacy. Yeah, that's awesome, too. Like, this is a really depressing chapter. But listen to what he what he says uh, here. Author and Christian leader Randy Alcorn says that to him, brokenness is more than just a periodic time of intense emotional experience. It's an ongoing sense of inadequacy. When I come to the point as I face life's difficulties where I know I can't just fix things, including myself, it's a much-needed reminder that he is the vine and I am the branch, and apart from him, I can do nothing. Sometimes well-meaning people have tried to talk me out of the sense of inadequacy, but the sense is vital to fruitful ministry. The sense is vital to fruitful ministry. Listen to me again. Inadequacy is vital to fruitful ministry. And now I'm not even, I I don't have the opportunity to preach every Sunday. I don't have the opportunity to write 40 minute sermons. And uh, although I, I have before and it's coming up and I've been asked to preach in July at a church that I've preached at before and I'm really nervous. And here's the thing. I feel inadequate. And I actually went to my friend and was like, dude, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't think this is possible for me. And he looked at me and he was like, you already have the right attitude because it is impossible for you. That's why you need God. And I was like, oh, you're so right. Mind blown. And I, that's, 
that's okay to to get the sense of inadequacy. That's a good thing. Now, obviously, these things of brokenness and inadequacy can take the you know the far you know right or left turn and and turn into a a depression and and you can begin to dwell on these things. And if you feel inadequate without relying on God, well, then then that's wrong. And so these things can lead down dangerous paths. But if if you have a healthy sense of your inadequacy and a right dependence on God, then let me tell you, you're in the right spot. Like you are in the right spot. You are in God's will. If you have a healthy sense of inadequacy and a right dependency on God, you're in a good spot. Trust me there. And so if you are, I mean, in anything in life, but especially in ministry, if, if you are walking into a ministerial position or a ministerial job or you're serving in some way and you feel inadequate or you feel like you can't do this alone, that's a good feeling because you can't. And I would even say that if you are, if especially if you're a pastor, but if you are in any type of Christian leadership and you are walking into the things of your life feeling like you got this, like feeling like you got the world on your shoulders, feeling like you can do everything that you need to do today to make a big impact, then that's I would caution you. I, I would caution you because you might not be depending on God the way the way that Crawford Luritz here in this book is advising us to. If we feel like we can do these things in our own power, then then we are we are very mistaken and pride has blinded our eyes, causing us to, to turn away from our dependency on God. And Satan has us right where he wants us. There's a song by KB. It's called the The Art of Oh man, the Art of Not the Art of Hope. I gotta look it up. Hold on one moment. <sighs> Ooh, it is the art of drifting. That's what it is. The art of drifting. And uh, in the song, he talks about how, how Satan has us right where he wants us when we begin to just drift step by step away from God. I had a meeting the other day. Uh, it was my meeting to get into, it was an interview to get into seminary. And Dr. Pace, one of the just most brilliant men, he's the head of the preaching and pastoral ministry uh, section at Southeastern, he, he said that Satan doesn't want to get you to sin. And that kind of that changed my mind. He said, Satan doesn't want to get you to sin. Satan wants to get you to cause others to sin. That's what Satan wants you to do, especially non-believers. And, and that kind of rattled me. And, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that's so true. The, the more that, that we drift away from our sense of inadequacy, the more that we drift away from our right dependence on God, the more that we're going to feel like we can do this on our own and people are going to look up to that and follow suit, especially if we're in a position of leadership in the Christian world. You know, our, the children are going to, oh, he's got this, and they're going to follow suit. And, and what you're going to begin to do, even though it might be inadvertently, you're going to build the sense of pride within whatever community you're in. And, and they, you guys won't be relying on God or the Holy Spirit. It will be an unhealthy view of you, of who you are by nature. And so the inadequacy is huge. Inadequacy is vital for fruitful ministry. Kevin Bear says, pride is one of the easiest ways for a young leader to lose their influence. Pride tells us we can do it, while we need to understand that the, wis- that the wisdom that is needed is godly. 
Pride will also stop us from seeking out others' advice and will often lead to quick, rash decisions with subpar results. That, that's, that's big. And, and unfortunately, like, that's something that I've even had to deal with. Like, I, I battle pride daily. I had uh, a while ago, about a year ago, the Hunt Scholars Program gave us this opportunity to go have breakfast with, with a pastor who has quite a lot of influence in the Christian realm. And we, when we sat down with him, we asked him, we were like, how do you fight pride? You have a ton of influence. You've written books. You're you're this big guy, and whenever whenever someone says your name in any church, they know who you are. How do how do you remain humble? And he, he responded in the most in the just the humblest way possible, which was awesome. But he was literally like every morning. You can go through my journal every day, and you can see my prayer to ask God to remove my prideful heart. Because it's something that I have to put put to death daily. And that was so humbling to me. And he's not a young Christian leader. We have a group of seminary students and people, uh, leaders in our youth groups that are coming up with this, with this sense of pride. And it is, it is dangerous for the church. It is dangerous for the church. This book... Um, this book is really good, and this chapter on brokenness was, was fantastic. Here is what the last the last paragraph of the chapter says, and I'll finish the podcast on this note. The last paragraph says this, but it is the wonderful sense of helpless inadequacy that keeps me running to our loving, gracious, and yes, merciful Heavenly Father for His strength. I have learned that He loves to hear me say, Father, I can't do what you have called me to do without you. In fact, I can't make it without you. If you don't come through, it's all over. Please, Father, do your work through me. And time and time and again, I hear him whispering these sweet words. Crawford, the author. You are where I want you to be. Place all that is before you in my hands. Trust me, and I will accomplish through you what I have called you to do. God loves to be depended on. So he gives imperfect, inadequate human beings impossible assignments. Guys, I don't even need to explain that paragraph. Let that be your prayer this week. Let your prayer be, God, I can't do it without you. Do it through me. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hearing me ramble on just for uh, 15, 20 minutes, however long this podcast is. My voice has been a little weird, so I apologize. And we got some awesome guests coming up in the future, so I'm super, I'm super hyped about that. Guys, I say this every week. You are beautiful. Well, hold on, hold on. We got to let the music, we got to let the music come in. Music start now. All right. Fresh pod every Monday or every... I almost did their outro. Fresh pot every Saturday. That's why I shouldn't do it. You can go grab some. You can go to our shop, grace-nation.com slash shop. Check out the stuff we got there. We got mugs. We got hats. We got shirts. We got phone cases. We got stickers. We got the whole shebang. Go check that out. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. And the stickers look awesome, actually. I have, I have them on my computer. And I know I've seen pictures of people who have it on their computer, and they just look... They look really good. All right, guys, I say this every week and I mean it. 
more and more each week. You are beautiful and you are one of a kind. Until next time, take care and God bless.